G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And it might even be a shock to you that Easter is a time of increased persecution for many Christians around the world. But there is an initiative this month that encourages Christians to recognize the incredibly high price that believers are paying for following Jesus. In this past year alone, more than 4,000 Christians have been killed for faith-related reasons and more than 1,200 churches or Christian buildings attacked. Let me just say that. More than 1,200 churches or Christian buildings attacked. And you know what? You didn't see those stories in the headlines, but they happened just the same. Well, Open Doors is one of those outstanding organizations that supports the persecuted church And in their One With Them campaign, they're asking every Christian to work a normal day with extraordinary impact. They're calling on Christians around Australia to dedicate one day's wage for the persecuted church to see those who are under intense persecution strengthened and the gospel proclaimed. And they're asking Christians to draw a cross on your wrist, on the right hand wrist, and to show your solidarity in standing one with them. And then, of course, when you've taken a photo of that, to share that on social media. Well, Nathan Harding from Open Doors is joining us. He's the Church Engagement Manager for Queensland and the Northern Territory and in the studio with me today. Nathan, (laughs) welcome along to 2020. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Nathan, let's talk first mm-hmm. about what every listener could do today yeah. and in a sense of solidarity. Yeah. And uh, this one doesn't cost anything because yeah. you can take a photo and you can do right a post now. on social media. Yep. Uh, the idea of drawing a cross on your wrist. Mm-hmm. Give us some indication why this is an important thing for people to, to do something in solidarity with persecuted believers. Yeah, well, as you said, Easter time is is a time where it, the attacks are increased because they know Christians want to get together and celebrate together. It's a big time. They want to gather publicly. Um, where the cross came into it was specifically around um, e- Egyptian Christians. And uh, there's uh, a segment of Christians there that um, have a Coptic tattoo on their wrist. And from earliest years, once they um, uh, are following in faith with Christ, they will have a tattoo on their wrist. And that marks them out to the rest of society that they are a Christian. And for some of them, um, there are many stories where that has cost them their life. Walking home from school, coming off a bus from work, someone stops you in the street and says, can I have a look at your wrist? And depending on how you answer that question, depending on the evidence on your wrist, that has meant people being shot dead in that moment. Well, I've had the privilege of going to Egypt and I've met people who have this tattoo of a cross on their wrist. And let me say, it's not a wonderfully artistic tattoo. Mm. Uh, It's often uh, very simple, 
mm. uh, crude tattoo of a cross. Yeah. And it happens to people when they obviously convert to Christianity, but it also happens within families. When a mm. child is born, mm. yeah. even in the first months of their life, they'll be yeah. tattooed with a cross, marked yeah. for their entire life yeah. as a Christian. Yeah. It's significant, yeah. so significant in Egypt. Yep. And in other places around the world, different to Western Christianity, where if you're Aussie, you could be anything. You could, in terms of religion, you know, you wouldn't know. Um, whereas particularly in those areas of Africa, as well as in the Middle East, to be born into a certain ethnicity, um, for Iraq, for example, to be the first, one of the first peoples in Iraq are Assyrian and Chaldeans. If you were born as an Assyrian or Chaldean, you are a Christian. There's no question of that. There's like a, it's like a segregation uh, that mm. comes, isn't it? And this is where we can get into a conversation about how persecution often works uh, yeah. in those nations where people are not wearing the tattoos. It, it works just as the same way. But if someone has a cross on their risk, Risk. They're probably not going to be employed or given mm -hmm. uh, new uh, opportunities for advancement uh, within yeah. the government uh, if they are in an Islamic society, and Egypt's a good illustration of this. Yeah. Uh, and so this cross on the wrist uh, is significant because uh, it actually creates a level of discrimination, but mm. uh, in some sense that's a positive and a negative. Uh, this idea of discrimination, it's a part of what persecution is about, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, it can mean uh, cost to your livelihood, to your um, your house, uh, to your um, in the extreme cases that you know about. Um, it can mean your uh, church buildings are targeted. Um, and there's a whole lot of we talk about in the organisation the idea of um, smash and squeeze. So persecution takes two forms. Um, our language smash being violence, and then you've got squeeze, which is very indirect. So it might be that um, it's not so much you'll be beaten up or tortured or thrown in prison or death, though that happens to a significant number, as you've already said earlier on in the program. Um, but it can come down to how laws are structured around how you employ Christians, or um, maybe it's to do with churches that, um, say, in North, A North Africa, there's um, a law around registering your church with the government. Now, it's very hard to be registered. Um, and you can be registered one day, and then in a couple of months' time, they might deregister you. Um, but then there's a secondary aspect to that law of you can't meet together for worship if you are a Christian unless it's in an approved building. So in that way, Christianity is sought to be controlled um, through indirect means. And when you're in a society where there is persecution of Christians, and if we're just focusing on Egypt for a few mm. moments here because we're asking people to draw a cross on mm. their wrist and yeah. take a photo of it, uh, you've got this uh, persecution of Christians that comes from a majority Islamic society. Mm -hmm. And there is, in fact, a solidarity amongst the Christian believers because they've got this cross on their wrist, mm. even to the point where turning up at church uh, in the Coptic Orthodox Church, mm. which is the primary ones that have yeah. these uh, these crosses, yeah. uh, sometimes you can't get into the church service unless you've got the cross yeah. on your wrist because there is an element of security around yeah. that because there's threat of attack. Yeah, well, you know, and as you would know, a couple of years ago, the attack on um, those churches that were famously um, in the media uh, where a man got through the gate and um, and was there to kill as many Christians as possible around this time of celebrating Easter. 
and um, he the number of deaths were were around twenty plus. But one of the stories of um, and I don't know if you heard this when you travelled, um, but one of the stories that struck me was um, the security man that eventually, um, because of his actions with the particular perpetrator. Um, it meant that not as many people were killed, but he lost his own life in the um, wake of trying to save many more. Um, in the aftermath of that, his wife at that church now has taken up his position as a security guard because she said, I want to make a statement to our ch- whole church community um, that I am still here, that I am the wife of this man, and um, we should not be afraid. Um, in fact, we should um, ev- our faith should be even more reinforced and continue to be bold and speak out and worship, despite what that might mean around the most uh, celebrated times of the year, being Easter and Christmas. Uh, we take for granted, don't we, that we can turn up to church in our Australian yeah. churches in relative safety and security. But if I'm reflecting my own story of mm. a visit to Egypt, and I did have the privilege of visiting a Coptic Orthodox church and uh, mm. to talk to <laughs> some of the leaders uh, yeah. afterwards. And in fact, we were sort of sitting off a little bit on the side, but uh, observing a service as it happened. Yeah. And then I got to spoke, speak to one of the leaders afterwards uh, who told me that there were 300 people on a roster to go throughout the community before every service <laughs> and uh, look for oh, wow. suspicious uh, packages, right. uh, suspicious vehicles. Uh, they were doing a like a... Uh, you know, a sort of a, a run before every service because huh. they were so concerned about the wow. security of just meeting in church because mm. there was a threat mm. that someone as a suicide bomber might uh, come in and uh, mm. explode uh, a bomb in the church. Uh, those sorts of things are scary. So 300 people on yeah. a roster, that doesn't mean there's 300 every <laughs> every service, but of course uh, there's an awful lot of people required mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just maintain the security mm. of the church. And, of course, then there's the other thoughts about, uh, you know, going through um, the, uh, you know, uh, the X-ray machines when you go into church. I mean, these are sorts of things that are commonplace in places like the Middle East. And if we just take stock for a moment of all those things you've just described, how easy would it be not to go to church? How easy would it be to go, you know what, maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe this is not the faith for me. And what's astounding in that is with all of those happenings that they continue to meet and come to church, they continue to follow Jesus. And those who lose their loved ones, it only reinforces their faith. And they think to the day which they will see their loved ones again. And the people who have these crosses on their wrist, they're not ashamed of having that cross on their wrist. Uh, because it is a visible reminder in an Islamic society that they represent other than mm. the persecutors, other mm. than the Islamic people who are wanting them perhaps uh, to be done away with uh, and mm. uh, not to uh, putting a, a brush across every person who's a Muslim. But mm. there are mm. elements, of course, in these communities, in these particular nations. So it's not just a symbol on their wrist, mm. but it's actually an identification an identification with Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as Lord and Saviour. And so when you're asking people to put this cross on their wrist today, Mm. uh, simply
simplest thing you can do: draw a cross, mm-hmm. take a photo, grab a pen, and uh, what, do you, what else are you supposed to? You write something on your post. How do you yeah. think it should look? Yeah, draw um, in whatever way. You know, you're creative, you're artistic. Um, you know, you fill in all the frills and, and spills, but put a cross on your wrist. Take a photo of yourself and your face, and write a note, but hashtag one with them. Thinking of our brothers and sisters, whatever comment that stands out to you as you hear these stories, hashtag one with them. Nathan Harding is our guest. He's from Open Doors. We're talking about the One With Them campaign, and you can participate. That's the simplest way to do it. Draw a cross on your wrist, take a photo, post that on social media. Let's talk about Easter time because these times of year, Easter and Christmas, uh, there's an extra burden mm. on security in churches mm. because they face a greater threat. Mm. Uh, Easter time, uh, there's stories, no doubt, that you'd be aware of, Nathan, mm. uh, of things that have happened at Easter time in the past, and yeah. this is a, a high alert time for Christians. It is. It is, and actually last year uh, around Easter, as well as Christmas, um, the, the Prince of the Commonwealth, Prince Charles, made mention of Christians in the Middle East and, and in areas like like Egypt, saying um, that uh, the stories and the people that he has met um, saddens his heart. And even so, it's even on that um, uh, global level where it's been talked about and, and the credibility of it. But I, I think one of the stories that stands out to me the most um, is um, in Iraq. And um, since 2014, when ISIS came up in Iraq, um, there were uh, 25,000 Christians that fled a particular town. And they left. And it wasn't until last year in 2018, so that's four years since Easter has been celebrated in a town that's been Christian for hundreds and and it would be over plus a thousand years. And it was celebrated again last year. And um, the one of the local ministers in that area said, we are back here celebrating Easter because we're not afraid of what has happened. And we want the world and we want Christians around the world to be encouraged by our story that despite what is happening here, the light of Christ is still being shone in this country. Something we can't forget here, Nathan, and your thoughts too, because when we hear of uh, Islamic control in these nations, uh, we're reminded that uh, Islam has really only uh, been around since the 7th century. Mm. Uh, so in these nations in the Middle East, and you're talking about Iraq, and mm-hmm. we would sort of look at that historically as being a part of the Assyrian mm. uh, region, yep. uh, which was Christian. So when we would hear those sorts of mm. comments that come from people that say, oh, you know, just leave them alone and let them do mm. what they want to do in that Islamic mm. nation, yeah. actually this is formerly a Christian nation that's mm. been overtaken. Yeah. There is a certain sense in which, uh, as Christians, uh, we want to acknowledge the history here too, don't mm. we? Yeah, in uh, the first church in Iraq was built between 35 and 55 AD. It's right on the border of Syria and Turkey. And since then, um, the as I said before, the first peoples of Iraq, we have first peoples here in Australia, the first peoples of Iraq are Christian. There's no question of anything else. If you're Chaldean or Assyrian, you're Christian. And uh, the figures of Christians in today uh, in Iraq is, is quite astounding to what it was even uh, 15 years ago. 
Under Saddam Hussein, there were 30% of the country was still Christian. So you think about, though, that's still a big leap from first century, first church in Iraq, religion came to that area and it was Christianity. Um, uh, you know, there's paganism and other things there at the time. Um, and under Saddam, it was 30%. Now it's as little as 0.7%. So you can say here, uh, actually, without a doubt, that in these past years, and we're talking about uh, under Saddam and post-Saddam years, mm. the Iraq war, uh, talking about Syria, the rise of ISIS, mm-hmm. yep. uh, Christianity has been somewhat decimated yeah. in these lands. Yes, And so with the work of Open Doors, yeah. uh, it's a matter of helping to preserve what remains Correct. so that it can continue to, uh, to re-emerge, yeah, to, to grow. And thrive and advance the gospel. So when you're asking people to make some small sacrifice mm. like a day's wage, yep. uh, you're hoping there's going to be a big response to this. Yeah, exactly. So the second thing you can do is we're asking people to jump on our website and to pledge one day's wage. Uh, Mike Gore, our CEO, often talks about his dream that uh, in Australia that every Christian will do one thing, just one thing for the persecuted church each year. Um, if you haven't yet, this is a great way to get on board and out of if you get paid fortnightly, monthly, whatever it is, take one of those days and um, as the Bible talks about joining in the sufferings of Christ, which these people are physically experienced, this is our way to join in with that with one day's wage to help them out. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Uh, wonderful privilege. Nathan Harding from Open Doors, our guest this hour. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about one with them, some solidarity with persecuted Christians around the world, and the fact that at Easter time there's an increased risk mm. of attack that's happening in so many nations around the world where Christians are under persecution. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Call or two, Erica is on the line from Mount Mason in Queensland. Hello, Erica, welcome along. Yes, thank you. Look, I appreciate Open Doors and for what you're doing because we can't go out there and do it ourselves. Um, and God bless you. Um, look, my concern is about Takiyo, which is the definition for where a Muslim can lie about Islam if it serves Islam. So... Could a Muslim not, you know, do a sign of the cross on his wrists, pretending, go in and do a lot of damage to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Erica, good question. What are your thoughts here, Nathan? Yeah, it's a valid uh, concern. In fact, um, in the network and the local uh, places that we partner through, with throughout the world, that's one of their top uh, prayers is how do we trust someone? But it also goes the other way. If someone converts to Christianity, there's a crossover period where they're also going, I've lost my family, I've lost my community, um, every relational connection, and the community that I've found that's freed me because of the love of Jesus, um, how do they trust me? How do they ensure, coming back to your question, um, that I'm, I don't have some sort of nefarious um, aims? Um, hence, why there's security in churches. Um, th- th- how I would answer that um, is through much prayer, um, through um, listening to the Holy Spirit, 
But then there's another aspect of what Jesus said. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. And so regardless of um, what happens and who's drawing crosses on their arm, um, Jesus prepared us for a life where they would hate us. And uh, so in that way, our response is, and this is the work of Open Doors throughout the world, is when these things happen, how do we help people to stay and get to a point where they can love the person who drew the cross on? Love the person who um, maybe has malicious thoughts of of um, of harming, and um, so to answer the question simply, you you can't know, um, but by the Spirit of God. But we know how we're supposed to respond to such people, and it's with love. Erica, I hope that was a helpful response. Our talk back line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another call. Anne is on the line from Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome. Hello. Um, I'm sorry that I sort of can't do the the, the money wise, but what I do do, I have your little prayer book. Oh, fantastic! So I, I pray every day huh. for, for those different things in your wow. prayer book. And we had James along at our yes. church not long ago. And he yes. showed that lady on the t- on the um, f- phone that you were talking about huh. that uh, yes. was a bodyguard again. So yes. um, we had several people who have gone because I do go for the Bible League and stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, well, and thank you for your prayers. Um, whether you're a sentence prayer or a big long prayer, it's the same faith and they're just as yeah. effective. So thank you. Yeah, that's okay. Because of Bible League, I, I go do it regularly for them, so I sort of can't put the, you know. <laughs> but I have I have got his number, and I'm hoping one day that I will be able to um, do some donation when I when when God sort of leads me to as well. And honour to you. Thank mm. you so much for calling through and uh, and just offering those thoughts. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. if you'd like to join in our conversation today. Nathan Harding is our guest from Open Doors. We're talking about the One With Them campaign and the fact that at Easter time there is an intensity of persecution around the world. And while we've talked about uh, two or three nations, uh, there's lots more to talk about. Nathan, let's uh, take listeners back to... 2016 in Pakistan, mm. where there was a dreadful yeah. bombing that did uh, rate on the world headlines. Just mm. to, just to mention that so many of these don't even get mm. a uh, headline yeah. around the world, but this yeah. one did. Uh, take us back to, uh, to this bombing in Pakistan, which was so serious. Well, when I think of holidays in Australia, I think of going down to the park, or I think of going down to the beach where there's a bit of grass and maybe there's you know some toys and that sort of thing. It's such a natural Aussie thing to do, right? That's what happened on Pakistan in the 2016 on Easter time. A church wanted to celebrate with their community, not in a church building, but in a public park. And uh, because of what I said before, Easter is the increasing time because they know Christians want to meet and uh, it will be public. Um, and uh, a bombing took place. Thankfully, praise God, again, the secure, Christian security men um, sacrificed their own lives, so not as many were lost. But over um, 14 people were killed um, in that particular bombing. And um, But Pakistan is top five on the most dangerous places to be a Christian, and it's the most violent. So if you can just appreciate, I don't know what pe- your listeners are going to be doing on Easter to celebrate whether it'll be a barbie at the back or on, on a beach or a park, but Christians in Pakistan know what it means to go outside the church building to celebrate Easter in a public park. And that's not an easy decision to make. It's quite a dangerous one. But they did it 
because of their love for Christ. And um, one of the quotes uh, of the ladies from that community that stood out to me, is she said this. Um, she said that we celebrate knowing that any time a suicide bomber can come and disrupt our service, our worship, our praying. But then I think, will it really be disrupted or will I be sent into the fullness of worship before God? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. And there's an interesting connection here. And, uh, you know, when we compare our Australian experience with what's happened around the world, of course, mm. uh, we're very safe and we're very mm. secure here, even though we have minor incidents. Mm. But this in- incidents where you have a church that says we'll take our worship outside of the four walls of our church, a lot of countries will say, of course, you have freedom of worship to worship within the four walls of your church. Mm. But if you go outside of the four walls of Mm -hmm. your church, then you're exercising Mm -hmm. freedom of religion, Mm -hmm. uh, which actually is a public demonstration of your faith. And that's where oftentimes people take it into their own hands, almost with a vigilantism Mm -hmm. uh, to say, uh, you're not the majority here. Mm -hmm. We're going to stamp you out. And uh, and this is where violence comes. Now, so just uh, drawing that connection to Australia, where we actually have freedom of religion here. Mm -hmm. We can have a public event. Yep. Doesn't matter what Although creed. Although there are those who are trying to put us mm. into a box mm-hmm. and keep us within the four walls, mm-hmm. something we need to be cautious mm. about. I don't know whether you've got a comment about that at all, uh, Nathan. Uh, I mean, I'm not asking you to all of a sudden become very political here, but uh, <laughs> but this is something that we are concerned about in Australia. Well, it was, I just had a conversation on the way in around a similar um, question with one of your colleagues. Open Doors, one of the things that Mike talks about, our CEO, and, and all of us talk about is uh, the job of Open Doors. Many other people do many other things, but the job of Open Doors is to not stop persecution. The job of Open Doors is to, because uh, we believe that wherever there is a godly witness, there'll be persecution. The job of Open Doors is to help people be courageous and to get to the place where they can be bold and love their enemy. So our comments would be in Australia is, let's remember the words of Jesus. Jesus said, the world hated me and they will hate you. Um, and in this world, he set the expectation, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So I would say, and we would say to Australians, take heart. Our king has overcome the world. So be bold. Love Jesus and love the one that curses. Uh, let's just come back to these crosses yeah. for a moment, Nathan. Yep. Uh, this is something, I guess, uh, people t- take this up. It's almost it's almost a little bit of fun. I yep. mean, tattoos are very popular. Yeah. Uh, so having a, a cross on your wrist, yeah. I think you're not encouraging people to actually go out and get an actual <laughs> tattoo. But have you heard of that happening, people getting an actual tattoo? Even, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you know, people express through this campaign in a variety of ways. And the easiest way is just to get the pen or the permanent marker um, if you want to go real crazy and um, take a photo. And as you are doing that process, what this means in countries like Egypt, what this would mean if you were to do that in countries um, around in the Middle East. Um, You know, last year I was um, in a Middle Eastern country And having a cross, wearing a cross, how many Christians um, of all different flavors wear crosses here in Australia? In the south area of that country, people were starting to think, maybe I won't wear my cross because they've been harassed walking down the street. So as you draw that cross, post your video, um, process what this means in other countries. It's very dangerous. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hi, Robin. Yes, hi. Um, 
you know, I've been to Pakistan and um, I've mm. seen um, what happens to uh, the Christians over there. They're really not, uh, they're not, they're not really even citizens. I mean, mm. they very, very often don't have rights and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to, um, and I'll, I'll, ex- I'll elaborate in a minute, but um, I want people not only to be, not, not only to identify with those Christians um, over there, but be, you know, be very, very wary that it may be the same in our countries because it's very, very much going that way where there's more and more anti-Christian, um, you know, like everything. So that it's, we're talking about it even the elections, that it may become illegal to be Christian, to, you know, to do certain things or even to believe anything. Um, but one, one highlight I want to say about Pakistan is, um, uh, I have been over there, I've seen it, but I've also, um, I'm on Facebook with quite a number of Pakistanis and one guy in particular, I love his posts. They're always, you know, a lot of Christian stuff, he's very positive as well, but every now and again, and this is quite common, this is quite often, he will show up a family where the wife or or the daughter has been abducted, raped by Muslims who just think it's their right because, I mean, they're just there for them. Um, and some some of those girls are actually never come back home again because the the Muslims take away, marry them, and forcibly make them Muslim, and mm. the Christians can't do anything about it. And every one of these items that he's put up on Facebook, there are actual families, and you can see the woman if she has been um, able to go back home, you can see that they're absolutely broken, mm. just distraught, and the <laughs> parents crying. Robin, it's, it's just terrible. Uh, thank you for raising that, mm. uh, because women often bear the burden yeah. of what happens in a persecuted society. And uh, I wonder whether you've got a response here for Robin and your thoughts on on women in yeah. some of these societies. And and uh, look, we're talking uh, primarily here with societies where the culture is so different. Yeah, uh, the Islamic culture is very different to the Christian culture that we experience, and. Uh, Men in a Christian culture are uh, are accustomed or enculturated to treat women at a Christian level, mm. and uh, that's not going to be across the you know it's not tarring everyone with the same brush, but there is a different culture that presents in so many of these nations. Uh, your thoughts for Robin Nathan? Yeah, well, Robin, thank you for um, taking that area of the world to heart so much that you would travel there. Um, and, you know, what she's expressed are stories that we see stories like that all the time coming in naturally because of the work that we do. Um, and with women, it is very uh, different. A research unit in our organization that um, is part of publishing the World Watch List every year, one of the most credible um, academic uh, research uh, lists of its kind, most dangerous countries to be a Christian, they differentiate between men and women in terms of persecution for the reasons that Robin raised. Um, women, their type of persecution can involve, um, is characterized by sexual violence, can be forced marriage, um, in instances where, um, they've caught someone's eye, um, they're forced to marry, and then, um, and then the line is that, oh, they converted. That's why we're married. And that person has lost all contact with the Christian faith. And so it, she's right, it is very specific and different with women compared to men. Robin, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. We are talking about persecuted Christians around the world. The fact that at Easter time there is increased 
intensity of persecution that happens uh, to Christians around the world, whether that's Christians individually or whether it's church gatherings, whether it's those public uh, engagements, as we mentioned, in the nation of Pakistan. Mm. Uh, We can get very negative here, Mm. Nathan, but... Is there some good stories that we can <laughs> tell? Because when we want to support an organization like Open Doors, mm. uh, we want to hear of the tragedies and the challenges, but we mm. also want to hear, mm. hey, this is what happened. Mm. Uh, this is where there was a group or a church that was preserved through a time and uh, they were looking shaky. They were looking mm. like they were about to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, come to an end. Mm. But something happened and, and there was a, a good thing that, uh, that arose. Mm. Uh, what are some, some of the things that you might be able to share where there's good stories that we can mm. report on from the persecuted church. Mm. Yeah, well, I think I would um, definitely highlight one of the things we talk about internally is sometimes you can look at these places and think, um, you know, in the natural, what's happening here? Like, are we going okay? Are we are we advancing? Is the kingdom of God really as strong as we think it is? Um, in the natural that's not how we're taught to look at things. We're taught to look at things in the supernatural, in the spiritual. And, um, you know, the Middle East, Iran's one of the um, uh, countries in the top 10 most dangerous countries to be a Christian. But it is the fastest growing church in the Middle East. And it's very dangerous to become a Christian in that country. And um, there are so many stories. I was visiting with a man who's now here in Australia, praise God, um, an Iranian, and he was sharing with me how Jesus came to him in a dream. Seven days before, he had prayed um, to God. He was, in, uh, he was of Muslim faith, and he never heard God respond to him. And he said, Lord, if you're real, God, if you're real, I want to hear from you. Seven days later, he had a dream of Jesus. And not just his salvation, but in the next couple of months, the whole village around him started having dreams and uh, a new church was birthed. Let's not ever uh, get into the idea that somehow or other with a rise of Islam, uh, that somehow or other the the church, the Mm, kingdom of God is not advancing because in actual fact, while there is a global trend for the rise of Islam, the global trends of the way that Christianity is expanding in places like sub-Saharan Africa uh, with the huge numbers that are happening in China. uh, And there are so many good stories to tell. But as these two religions grow together, Mm. we might anticipate that there's going to be more and more friction, Mm. more and more need for the sorts of work that you do with Mm. Open Doors, Nathan. Uh, This is not something that, uh, you know, the need for you is going to be uh, falling off in the time to come. It's going to be more and more. Look, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Zoran in Redcliffe in Queensland. Hello, Zoran. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Um, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, the thoughts are very simple, I suppose, is that um, we are heading into Good Friday. We're heading into Easter. We're heading into the, the true meaning of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we, we, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins and gives us our salvation. And the persecution of all Christians and all believers in the world is terribly wrong, and for for the, for the, when it reads in Matthew, it reads in Luke. Luke twenty four says it very very well about um, how how the apostles gave themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said, "I choose you twelve out of twenty four So it's it's more to say that to, for all Christians and all 
believers to be with those big persecutors and Christians, especially in, in countries like India, Russia, and China, and then our prayers be with them all this Easter. Mm. For the Lord Jesus Christ is a want, not a force. And um, may our prayers be with them. Zoran, thank you so much for calling in and offering that reminder that the first thing that we can do Mm. is pray for those believers. But our prayers will be quite empty if we don't take some form of action. And I guess that's what we're mm. talking about today is how you can take some action because yeah. sometimes we see we feel powerless. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of drawing the cross on your mm-hmm. wrist, taking the photo yep. and uploading that to, to social media, yep. that empowers us in some way. Mm. Uh, but again, uh, you've got something here, Nathan, that takes you another step deeper and says, yep. how about that day's pay yep. uh, that will actually yep. go and find its way into the support of those persecuted believers? Not many ways you can do that, but yep. uh, deepening the way that we support. This yep. is what today is all about. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the scripture talks about in word, as well as indeed, and the scripture talks about um, the heart and financially what we give to, that there's a correlation, that there's a crossover. And so what we're asking people is to have it in your heart to give one day's wage out of the whole year, one day's wage on our website, opendoors.org.au, and pledge a day's wage for the persecuted church during this time. Thank you so much to Zoran from Redcliffe, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join in our conversation today. Uh, Some other good news stories. Uh, What else has been happening that comes across your desk and uh, some of the things that are are happening around the world Mm. uh, where there's good good news emerging out of persecuted uh, nations? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's a a story that strikes me to share is uh, from Central Asia. And um, something that our founder, Brother Andrew, though some of your listeners may remember his story in 1955, um, took Bibles and smuggled them into Russia. But one of the things that he talks about with um, the Islamic world is uh, his uh, uses I uh, Islam and says how I think of that word is I sincerely love all Muslims. And why is love so powerful? Love can be empty and just be a, used we, a word we throw around. But in Central Asia, there was a, a brother's story who I was hearing the other day. His name was Samson. And um, his story of how he converted and came to faith out of Islam is, is a story in of, of itself. But many years later, he became a church pastor. And uh, one time, the local Mujahideen, Islamic extremists, um, came to his church while the service was on and busted into the doorway and um, called for the pastor to come with them. He didn't. He encouraged the whole congregation to hold hands in a circle and pray. So the Mujahideen and his men came into the circle, grabbed him, and started beating the pastor in front of the whole congregants. And then he pulled a gun out on him and um, said, renounce your faith or I'll kill you. Refused to renounce his faith. And the man tried to shoot three times. The trigger pulled, but nothing came out. He dropped the gun and he ran out. And as you could imagine, all the Christians there um, were elated and praising and rejoicing of God. But many days later, he came back and, um, and took the pastor, Samson, to a dump because he was so infuriated by what had happened the week before. He grabbed him and he told him, clean up an area in this dump for yourself, kneel down. And then he pointed uh, a, a knife to his throat this time and he said, any last words? Samson looked at him 
and he prayed to God and he said, Lord, I pray you bless this man. I pray you bless this man's family. I pray you forgive him for the blood, my own blood that he wants to spill. And that so affected the Mujahideen. It so wigged him out. He didn't know how to respond. And he shouted at him and he said, I'm about to take your life and all you can do is bless me. He ended up letting that man go and said, I'm, we'll be back in a week and this time I will kill you. There are miracles we can often think of here in Australia. You know, someone had a backache and it got healed. Uh, and they're, of course, not, I'm not underrating uh, lots of wonderful testimonies that happen. Mm. But the testimonies of miracles are also about the preservation of human life, mm-hmm. of leaders, mm-hmm. of Christian communities under extreme persecution in yep. these lands. Yep. And it's these sorts of stories mm. that take us a little bit deeper, that uh, mm-hmm. miracles that God is doing is about the advancement of his kingdom. Yeah. And uh, his kingdom advancing uh, oftentimes uh, is uh, we're called on to be a part of that. We're yes. a part, we're praying yes. your kingdom come, yep. your will be done on yep. earth as it is in heaven. This is yep. this is the prayer Jesus taught us to pray yeah. and we're a part of the advancing of the kingdom. So when we've got people on the front line, mm-hmm. on the coal face mm-hmm. uh, with their lives at risk, this is where we are called to stand in solidarity with those who are right there in the advancement of the kingdom. And facing with a choice. Am I going to um, curse this person? Am I going to recant? Am I going to join an easier religion so it will go better for me? Or am I going to do what Jesus said? Don't just love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy. And why did he say that? Well, in that story... How it ended up is the Mujahideen comes back a week later and um, supernaturally um, was saved himself in a situation where he was having a gun. uh, His group was coming down a mountain and the government forces started firing at him. And he said, "Um, you came to walk towards me while the guns were shooting off. And I have two questions for you, and this is why I'm back here today not to kill you. First of all is um, you said to me, jump into the river and you'll be saved. So... My two questions are, how did you come to me that day? And my second question is, um, how is it that you weren't shot? And this brother who had blessed this man when he was um, uh, kneeling with a knife to his throat said to him, my friend, um, it was not I that came to you, but it was God who sent an angel so that you would be saved and hear one more time that Jesus loves you, that Jesus died for your sins, and that he wants you to come home. That man on the spot came to faith and turned to the people who followed him, the 30 militiamen, and said, this man talks, speaks the truth. I am now a Christian. That's the power of loving your enemy. And that's why we stand with them so they can stay in the most extreme circumstances that many of us, maybe I would fold. I don't know. I, um, I pray that I would have the grace of God. But it's our job here in the West to stand with them in these small ways so that they can stay and save those through the love of Christ, displaying to people who wouldn't normally come in contact with our um, Sunday TV show that preaches the gospel every Sunday, praise God. <laughs> I can uh, I can be empathetic with, I, I think, everyone who's listening into our conversation today saying, who of us 
uh, would say, I'll put my hand up to win a convert like that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, oh, s- wow. sometimes we'd encourage people, you know, hey, get your friends to tune into vision. Uh, they'll hear yeah. something of the gospel yeah, God. and, uh, and deepen their faith. Or it's, uh, you know, go out on the street and be yep. bold to be a street preacher yeah. and yeah. someone will come up and talk to you and you'll win a convert for Christ. Yeah. Uh, go and have coffee with that friend. You'll win a convert for Christ. Who of us is going to say, I'll go through what that pastor went through. Uh, I'll face the gun to my head, the knife to my throat, and I'll win a convert because I have love for that one who is showing his hate towards me. I mean, this is powerful stuff. And you're asking people to identify a couple of ways today. And, uh, well, let's, let's say three because let's include prayer as a foundation. Yeah. This idea of drawing the cross on yep. your wrist, taking a photograph, posting that on your social media. Lots of yep. our listeners will have their own social media yeah, con- uh, connections. Yeah. Uh, they can do that very simply yep. and say, uh, I understand something about the persecuted church today that I've not understood before yep. and uh, take that action. And others who will say, well, I can take this uh, mm. a little bit deeper. It's not going to hurt me to give yeah. a day's wage yeah. to support the persecuted believers. Uh, you've got a, a number of good bases there covered. Uh, I suppose we haven't sort of said, well, how can people actually go? Mm. Uh, but that's not quite as easy. It's not quite as easy for ordinary individuals to mm. go to be there on the ground with the persecuted believers, mm. is it, Nathan? No, no, it's not. Um, you know, I would encourage people who are um, saying, yes, I want to give a day's wage and I want to do more, engage with our website. Um, connect with the the different ways you can communicate with us to find out what more can I do. When will open doors be in a church in my church or be in my area? Um, but as a starting point, go uh, to the website opendoors.org.au and pledge one day's wage to stand with them. Our CEO says, "What if every Christian did one thing in a year for persecuted brothers and sisters? If you haven't done your one thing yet, how about you do this?" And, you know, I've got no qualms at all about encouraging listeners to support Open Doors, a wonderful organisation. And as I say, there are not too many organisations. There are a few, and and you've heard me talking to other organisations, and they do a wonderful job too. And I must say, uh, from my understanding, that there is a deep relationship between all of the organisations that help to deal with the persecuted church. Uh, They're all doing a wonderful job. Uh, But Open Doors, uh, a soft spot for Open Doors, Mm. and my encouragement to listeners to uh, get on board with this particular campaign. It is called one with them and when you go on to the Open Doors website at opendoors.org.au you will find a link there that says one with them and that's where you'll be asked uh, to give a day's wage and uh, of course you'll be able to read about these other initiatives that we're talking about like drawing that cross Mm. on your wrist taking a photo of it and simply sharing that with your network of social media contacts. Uh, you know, if everyone did that today, uh, there would be a, a bigger uh, appreciation yeah. that there is something significant that's happening and that Christian believers are called to stand in solidarity with those persecuted believers. And if you can imagine how many that would reach as well as how many would give, and every dollar of that goes to where most needed. Every dollar from this campaign goes straight to somewhere in the world uh, where it's most needed. Because we've talked about Easter 
But every day there's something happening around the world. When we look at the internal communications, every day there's something happening for Christians in this area. But Easter, it's accelerated, and every dollar will go to somewhere where it's most needed. I can almost hear some saying, it's all right for me to send a picture of a cross on my wrist, but uh, people won't understand the context. And mm. uh, this is where I would say, perhaps uh, do this a little later this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might also include a link to this conversation, because I'll have yeah. this conversation right. on a podcast a little later on this afternoon on the 2020 page. Uh, you can very easily copy the link, and you can mm-hmm. put that into your post as well. And uh, those friends of yours in your network will be able to hear right. this conversation conversation uh, with Nathan Harding. And Nathan, uh, just an honor to you because you've delivered some fabulous uh, points today. And uh, thanks so much for your clear capacity to be able to articulate these things. Uh, God's richest blessing on Mm. Open Doors with the Mm -hmm. campaign that's running. It's called One With Them. One last time, opendoors.org.au. Nathan, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.